0: hello and welcome to another edition of the sport intern special a series of podcasts in which we speak to the movers and shakers within the olympic movement in this episode it's part two of our chat with the president of world athletics sebastian Koh, and we began our conversation in the second part talking about his plans to make sure that the World Athletics Council is gender equal by 2027.
1: I always found it bizarre, and it, was, it particularly came home to me when I did become president of the sport that from the age of 11 or 12, as I've been getting on coaches to go to championships at schools level or county level or even national championships internationally, I've always accepted that I've been on a team that is diverse, inclusive uh, and gender balanced. When I was actually at the um, European Championships in 2016, and I realised that of the 51, 52 uh, member federations that make up the European Athletics Association. At that point, and only by six weeks, were one of the presidents uh, of our European federations a female. And that was Georgina from Ireland. And I just thought "We we really do have to address this. And my instinct having had roles in the past where if i'm being honest i should have probably done more i was chief of staff in a political party i didn't do as much as i could have done to have encouraged more women uh, into into politics and i was always a bit persuaded by the arguments oh well it's you know you've got to be careful about tokenism and quotas and and actually occasionally to get change you have to throw a hand grenade in uh, and my gut instinct was this wasn't going to happen because we were all pure of heart and wanted it to happen. We really did have to do something.
0: Having decided then that change had to be made how did you go about doing that?
1: Within the governance journey uh, we decided that we had three uh, congresses in order to really shift the dial. And so for 2019, uh, we set ourselves a target of some 30-something percent. And in 2019, uh, we also, under our new regulation, our our new government structure, uh, appointed the first female vice president. The sport's never had that before. Uh, By 2023, next year in Budapest, we'll be up to 40-something percent. And then the big jump, although it's the smaller percentage, but in real terms, the bigger jump will be by 2027, it will be constitutionally illegal not to have a 50% split, uh, gender split, across all our uh, governance structures. Uh, And, you know, we're making good progress. And the most important thing here was that, I think it's because I stuck my head above the parapet and was really clear uh, that this is what I wanted, Uh, that almost developed a life of its own because, my area presidents, many of our influential member federations took this as part of the policy as well. So, you know, in in our area associations, our continental congresses, very shortly after we announced this, I was beginning to notice many more women being elected, but you can't, but that wasn't the only thing we did. We then set up the gender leadership task force. I asked Stephanie Hightower, uh, the then president of US Track and Field to chair that form She had great, has great experience in, in that space in the States. Uh, and then we created uh, a whole series of seminars and programs, training the trainers. and uh, We did that on a continental uh, basis. And so it's not enough just to sit there and say, well, we've got targets that we're going to hit in 2019, 2023, 2027. You then have to create programs and pathways for women, talented women to feel permission uh, and support in standing for these roles and male advocacy. I hope, listen, I hope in 10 years time, we're not in five years time, we're not having to talk in these terms, but there's no doubt at all that one of the driving forces behind change Uh, And it's inevitable because of the nature of of where we are at the moment. I hope we're not there in five years and certainly not 10 years time is male advocacy. It is really important that from the very top, that message goes down, that we have to be an organization that reflects the world we live in and not just about gender equity, but about um, ethnic Um, uh, 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 presence around uh, the table uh, about disability and impairment, everything that you want your organization to look like. And why is that important? It's important because my gut instinct is young people uh, do not sit there just looking at you as an international federation or a political party or a charity or a media organization. They're asking actually in many cases, a more subliminal, but a pretty crucial question. They're looking at your organisation and they're asking themselves the question, does your organisation look like the world I live in? And if it doesn't, sadly and understandably, and I would encourage my kids to do exactly the same, go and find an organisation that you feel at home in and, and, and comfortable And so I think it is really important that our sport is a sport for everyone. And it doesn't really matter whether it's on the field of play or in technical officialdom or in administration, uh, both in the executive or the non-executive side of our sport, that everybody feels that there is no glass ceiling. Uh, and that they can progress through the sport. And we will benefit from that. And that's the that was the thinking behind the, uh, the reform process. I don't know
0: if you had a chance to listen to it, but recently uh, we did a podcast with uh, Pauline Davis-Thompson. And in it, she was very complimentary about you, Sebastian, saying that as the leader of World Athletics, you really had sort of led the way. And she was telling us that as a female athlete, she would never have wanted to compete against a transgender athlete simply because she just wouldn't have a chance of winning. And I think the debate has really moved on. And so just clarify, what exactly is your position on this?
1: Look, uh, we will always, as a sport, follow the science. But having said that, it is absolutely crucial that the guiding principle is about maintaining the integrity of female sports. And that for me is sacrosanct. Uh, we have two classifications in our sport, two categories. Uh, and that is the male-female split uh, and it's age. Age because it's deemed better not to have Olympic champions competing against 14 year olds okay. and male-female because if you don't have that separation then no, no woman is ever going to win another event. and So the integrity, uh, of women's sport, so our eligibility regulations are founded on a very, very clear principle, and it's the same principle that the IOC uh, has espoused in the last, you know, few months, and that is on fairness uh, and inclusion. And you know, we have always, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the authorized neutral athletes. That was my attempt to find a navigable route through. Uh, And, you know, it has to be based, you know, those guiding principles have also to be based on inclusion uh, and uh, on fairness. But look, uh, let me be clear. If there is a conflict ever between inclusion and fairness, we will always come down uh, on fairness. Uh, And that for me uh, is, is really important. And I think there is another immutable uh, position that we will always, uh, you know, stand behind. And that is gender cannot trump biology. You know, we do have to follow the science of this. Uh, We have in this space well over 10 years of longitudinal study, peer-reviewed work, which has stood us uh, in good stead. So the regulations that we have tabled around uh, DSD and brought into line or, and, and transgender, which has also been brought into line with some uh, transgender, some modifications since 2019, are regulations that we, well, not my words, but the words that the Court of Arbitration have used, is that they uh, you know, were necessary, they were reasonable, and they were proportionate. But look, these are also societal issues. And I absolutely recognize this. And, you know, that is why we have always, we have always focused on the inclusive nature of our sport. We haven't wanted to stigmatize or to cast aside athletes. That's why, you know, our regulations about the control of testosterone. Testosterone, we know, is the key determinant. Uh, in sports performance, uh, we have a slight. We have the say It's the same principle now for DSD and for um, transgender, uh, and you know that's that's where we are. So we we do have a settled position on that, and these regulations are, are here to stay.
0: In terms of inclusion, then, are we looking at perhaps further down the line a scenario, let's say, in which transgender athletes um, have their own events to take part in?
1: Look, that may in future be the case, and it may be closer than any of us think. You know, all I can say at this moment is as president of the sport, uh, and there'll be new presidents and there'll be fresh councils in future, and there may well be in the light of other discussions, you know, uh, uh, an approach that might uh, adopt separate classifications. Um, I don't think we're ready for that uh, at the moment. Uh, And we need to be clear that we have regulations that have been tested. We think that they are necessary, they're proportionate, they're reasonable. uh, And they absolutely sit at the heart of the guiding principle, which is the, the integrity of female sport. And I think there is a lot at stake here. You know, I've said this before and I unashamedly repeat it uh, again. Uh, we have a settled position on this um, and we made a judgment. You know, it's not, it's, not a uni- it's not universally popular, but I didn't come into the sport to be universally popular. But in a way, I don't have the luxury of looking at this through a whole set of different lenses, I have to look at this through one lens, and that is, you know, what was I elected to protect, uh, and that is the primacy of, of female sport. And I think that is effectively where you know we we currently sit, and I don't see any need to move off that territory.
0: That was Sebastian Cole, the president of World Athletics. Don't forget, you can get all the latest news from the world of sport by subscribing to the Sport Inter newsletter produced every day, Monday to Friday. So, until next time, stay safe.